Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to Business of Cannabis for Tuesday, January 11th. If you like what you see, you can check out the rest of our channel and watch our full archives of Business of Cannabis. And because this is YouTube, I'm obliged to ask you to smash the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. For those new to Business of Cannabis since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry. And that's what we look to do here every day. First, we'll run down the key stories we're following, then go to a cannabis conversation in our B of C Live segment. Today's B of C Live conversations with Matt Carnes from Greenwave Advisors, sharing his thoughts on New York's legalization's impact on the sector overall. We recorded it in person in New York, so stick around for that. We love to hear from you in the comments and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com as well as through all of the social channels, including Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. For today's stories, we will look at the states that took a plunge into legalization last year as well as ones to watch in the coming year. We have our weekly update from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. Tilray reported their quarterly earnings. They lost sales but still gained profits. And the London Stock Exchange's first cultivator listing has been delayed. For our first story, the Cannabis State of the Union. As an increasing number of states implement their own flavor of cannabis reform, it can be tricky to keep track of all of the past year's action. So let's review with the help of Forbes. First, states that legalized adult use in 2021 include Connecticut, New Mexico, New Jersey, the big one, New York, and Virginia. And federal reform efforts. So the Safe Banking Act passed the House for the fifth time, but didn't make it through the Senate. But in the Senate, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senators Ron Wyden and Cory Booker introduced the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, which is a mouthful, which emphasizes equity. Now, Republican Congresswoman on the other side of, the, of Congress, Nancy Mace, introduced the Business-Friendly States Reform Act. So things are moving just never as fast as we would likely expect or like. And so far the tally stands at 18 states that allow medical use, I'm sorry, that allow adult use. 36 have legalized medical cannabis and legal states have hit $25 billion in sales. Now, uh, ones to watch in the coming year. So uh, there will be more obviously, because the March is upon us. Uh, and the ones that are really important to watch for adult use are some very big states, but kind of look like a presidential political map, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Minnesota, those ones being sort of swing states, Maryland, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Delaware, and Hawaii are on the cusp of adult use, and medical, uh, some states you may not be expecting, Mississippi, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Kansas. Yes, Kansas is on the medical watch list for cannabis. Now for an update from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. Each week, our partners there take a look at a core subject and share their Canadian cannabis price index with our audience. You can see that at businessofcannabis.com. But today, they also took a look at the mix of cannabis products in Ontario right now and what is selling. This is between Cannabis 1.0, so that's flour and some cannabis oils and capsules, and Cannabis 2.0, commonly known as 2.0, which is edibles, concentrates, vapes, and the like. And with over two years of data, they are seeing that Cannabis 2.0 products make up a steady but relatively small uh, portion of overall sales. Uh, total cannabis sales in Ontario have been accelerating with the rapid build-out of brick-and-mortar stores. And since the full rollout, however, 2.0 product sales have averaged just about 23% of total legal Ontario cannabis sales. Uh, many in the industry were hoping for 2.0 products to capture a larger share of sales uh, dollars uh, 
because they generally demand uh, or command a premium uh, in terms of price. Consequently, those stats are likely, uh, according to cannabis benchmarks, disappointing to can Canadian cultivators and processing businesses, which place big bets on the cannabis 2.0 release. For our third story, Tilray post Q2 profit despite sales dip. Its market share, uh, Tilray's market share in Canada, slid from 17% to 10% since merging with Afria, but Tilray managed to post a profit this past quarter, according to BNM Bloomberg. Some of the Q2 highlights 155 million US dollars in revenues. Cannabis uh, drinks wellness division reported a year over year increase, uh, $13.8 million EBITDA. Uh, and $6 million repricing of its corporate bonds helped create a $6 million net profit, although sales fell by approximately 15%. And while prices have fallen by 22.6% industry-wide, Tilray hasn't discounted its products to the same extent, according to their CEO, Erwin Simon. Now, finally, the London Stock Exchange's first cultivator listing has been delayed. Greece's Hellenic Dynamics, which was planning to be the first cannabis cultivator to list on the London Stock Exchange last October, is now saying its IPO will launch later this month, according to Business Can. The reason? Well, rigorous requirements from the Financial Conduct Authority. Uh, quote, it's taken a little bit longer with the op opinions and everything, but so far the FCA seemed pleased with everything that we provided, and we are looking forward to listing, I think probably early January, said VP Devinder Rai, uh, in an update to investors. Those are the stories we're watching today. You can join 10,000 others and catch all these stories and more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up next on our BFC Live segment, we'll have a podcast with Matt Carnes from Green Wave Advisors. He's deep in the sector, advising investors and analyzing companies. We've connected with Matt before in advance of a Cannabis Expo he did last summer on the Hamptons. This is Matt Carnes, recorded live on December 9th in New York City. This is BFC Live with Matt Carnes. Matt, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Nice to see you face to face. We've uh, we've done this once, but not recorded uh, face to face. We recorded once via Zoom over the summer. Uh, New York is on the cusp. It is. It is. <laughs> but legally, uh, yeah. I should say. <laughs> well, I was going to say this is what I was going to say. It's on the cusp legally. There is a medical market here now. But I just walked by a store that said, "Cannabis, uh, New York's first recreational cannabis club." That there you have shady. it. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, the day after they legalized, I saw a sign in my neighborhood, dispensary. I took a picture of it. I, I posted it. I just and there it's down. I hope you know law enforcement, whoever saw it, and you know is now more aware of what's going on. But I think you're going to see that all over the place. Yeah. Um, and you know, people who don't know any better, who haven't been following the industry, think, oh, it's legal. I read in the paper, it's legal. So here you go. Yeah. And then, and then Albany is relatively slow. Yes, for sure. We know that, <laughs> right. for, sure, for sure. That predates cannabis by a lot. Yes. But, but it is slow on big decisions and always has been from what I've seen. And, and more so during the Cuomo administration. Yeah. Um, and then just to get medical marijuana on the, on the books was a real battle. Yeah. And, and the evolution around that and how, you know, how, slow, how slow New York has been to ramp up. And they still really haven't ramped up. Right. But it's also interesting. Like, you could be slow as a legislator, as a regulator, all those things, implementing the voters' will, whatever it is. 
doesn't mean the industry's doesn't mean people don't aren't getting cannabis. Correct. Like you could be as slow as you want. You could take five years. In that five years, there's going to be billions of dollars of cannabis bought and sold and consumed, just not under your thumb, necessarily, right? Absolutely. So it's like you can go slow and get it perfect, perfect, perfect to your mind as a regulator, but consumers don't care. They don't care. And the slower you go, uh, you know, the longer it is till you realize the revenues. Right. Um, so it's... it's you know. And the longer you realize that it's going to take you longer than you think it is to however you think you're going to either stamp out the, you know, the legacy market. Like, it takes time, right? Every, you might as well start because it's going to take a long time. Absolutely. And one of the, I would say one of the disadvantages for New York, um, notwithstanding the fact that it took a very long time to even for Cuomo to come on board for many years, no way, no way. But then, you know, he saw other states implementing medical marijuana. The sky hasn't fallen. Then some states were implementing recreational, mm -hmm. most notable California. Mm -hmm. um, you know, finally, it was back in 2016, um, I believe the first, you know, medical um, licenses were awarded and, and the, mm -hmm. the market was implemented. Um, but if you think about it, um, how slow or, well, let me back up a second. At that point in time, the form factors were very limited. Right. Medical marijuana, capsule, not, no edibles, no flour, very, very restrictive. So who in the hell, especially in New York City, right. is going to buy any of this stuff when I could get, anybody could get cannabis delivered Probably quicker than a pizza these yeah. days. We could probably do it while we're recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably, like, probably. Yeah. we should. Yeah, we there should try. Well, uh, well, it's already on order, so it should be, on, should be up any moment. Absolutely, and, and so um, you know, it was very interesting because when the existing license holders were looking for capital, people were thinking, "Well, gee, why would I invest? There's not going to be any activity. There's no way these businesses are going to compete with an illicit market." And that's very much the case. It's a call option. They are going to see their day in the sun when the rec market becomes, you know, is implemented because they're grandfathered with a fully um, integrated license. Right. So that's that's the reason behind. So all these investors are now going to, you know, now they're going to be satisfied, hopefully. Right. Um, but if you think about it, when I launched Green Wave Advisors in 2014, and I assessed each market, and I looked at medical marijuana in each market, Really, the addressable market is defined by how many people have each qualifying condition. Right. How many people have cancer? How many right. people have glaucoma? So I went, it was a very, very daunting task, but that's what I did. Right. That's how I approached it. And so guess how many people, well, when I looked at the, the New York market, um, roughly, now there's about 20 million people in New York. Mm -hmm. About 1.8 would fall under my definition of an addressable market. That's one of the indications. Yes. So who has glaucoma? Because there are statistics out there of how many people sure, have sure. these. And then I made a broad assumption around, um, you, you know, how many of uh, chronic chronic pain to catch off, right? right? Um, so today, and now this market's been implemented for you know five six years right. now, 150,000 patients. Right. Then the, the medical community, they made it very restrictive around the medical community. Right. For, you know, you had a doctor had to go take a course. Like, yeah, right, that's right. going to happen, right? right. So they Skeptical doctors taking a course. Yeah. Right. Um, so Entrepreneurial it, ones maybe, but not necessarily. It, exactly. So, you know, so now this market has really never flourished. And they never really had anything implemented really on a large scale to accommodate a rec market. So now what are they doing? Now, all of a sudden, now flowers allowed. Now, all of a sudden, you don't need to pay for a medical card. Now, all of a sudden, all these things are starting to open. Oh, we'll now give our patients, you know, flower, allow our patients access for flower, to flower, whatever. 
But not pre-rolls. Yeah. Right? right? <laughs> no right. edibles. Right. You know, so but that will probably change. So they're teeing up for the rec market, clearly. Now, the problem in the Northeast, well, more so in New York, is they're not really able to flick the switch like they did in, like, say, for example, Arizona. Right. Arizona had a very, you know, um, robust uh, medical market. Like, uh, like Michigan, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when the time comes, you know, just flick the switch, get your application. This is going from 150,000 to... Several million people that want weed. Yes, exactly. So New York is kind of stretched now. They're at a disadvantage because they didn't, weren't forward thinking right. back in the day. Right. New Jersey, somewhat more forward thinking when Chris, Chris Christie was the bottleneck. So when he left office and Murphy stepped in, what is, what the first thing he did, let's expand the medical program. Right. They, they had indications in 2018. Yeah. yeah. So, with the, right. With the, with the it, pen. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what happened. So now they're better positioned. I mean, there was a bottleneck mm -hmm. in awarding the new licenses because of some legal issue but they're in better position now and now when recreational comes online there's gonna be a huge undersupply because now you have all these people that want to smoke weed legally that can't you know there's only a limited amount of product available so now we have you know some of the larger MSOs obviously are you know tuned into that and are building out and so forth yeah well it's it's, it's, it's very interesting because as you stated it's like state by state of course but even going back to like the number of indications and the willingness of doctors really is an indicator of how successful the market be early on. Exactly. It's, yeah. very, it's really interesting to sort of think about that. And you, know, you can think about it in Michigan, you can think about it in Arizona, you think about it in New Jersey and New York, you can think about it as a country of Canada, like all those things factor into the early day success or failure, but also what is factored in is, and this, I'm interested in your thoughts, you end up, then people make major investments to like ramp up production very quickly because it's unclear who else is ramping up for production. Like, and then you have this oversupply, yep. but it takes time, and that's just as devastating to these companies. Like, yeah, and there's still a lot of unknowns, like right. interstate commerce and how that's all going to play out. So do you build a big facility in New York, but New York may be able to accommodate New Jersey, and then, okay, well, then we're going to have this cooperative cooperative right. agreement among the tri-state area, right. but then guess what? Then you have issues around lab testing and right. testing requirements, and is everybody on board? Is everybody in sync? Right. How is that going to then change when it's a national you right. know, footprint? And why would you... Build it in New Jersey, for example, which is very expensive. Like there's so many uncertainties. So this is why you know, I, I, hats off to the at larger MSOs who are able to figure this out and and you know balance and, and walk on that fine line, because there's a lot of decisions to have to be. You know, and there there are hundreds of millions of dollars of decisions. Yes, absolutely. You know, and and there's still some element of uncertainty. Um, yes, for sure. Lots of it, uh, and part of that is uh, uncertainty because DC is. Dis, not dis, well, dysfunctional, maybe. And like they can't make a decision on banking. They can't make a decision on anything. They they can't, and that's really, really, really just mind-boggling. I mean, just for no other reason. We already know, right? The smoke's out of the bomb. Okay, right. pot is going to be federally illegal. We right. don't know that you know the timing, the nature, extent, and timing, and all that. But it's going to happen. But meanwhile, because of banking and the restrictions around that. It's a public safety issue yeah. right now, and we're seeing this more and more. Yeah. People are getting held up, especially post-COVID. Yes, yeah. Especially because, because cash, is cash. cash is cash. People are more desperate, yeah. and so, what's an easy target? Gee, let me look on my online here. Right. This dispensary is open from nine to five, right. and it's over here. And we hear the people coming and going. Yes, and and they probably you know surveillance around that i'm sure so you know it's it's really does is very nonsensical and and uh recently you know there was big hope 
um, that the SAFE Act would be passed, it would be it, to be included in the um, defense spending bill, um, and that didn't happen. Yeah. So, no kidding. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> now, can, can I ask you a question about that? Uh huh. I, I think uh, banking, of course, is an important. That that's what they that's what they were talking about. But does the delay in D.C. just strengthen the position of these MSOs because it's they're they're operating and they're generating revenue and they're they're cementing their footprint in these states? Absolutely, the yeah. yeah. It, it you know at some point though the floodgate has to open, right. um, and yeah they're well positioned. I yeah. mean you know it's it's almost it's advantageous for a little bit more of a stall but the you know the the banking issue just for no nothing else just let people put these operators put money in a friggin bank account a normal bank account right that's all right now that's that's i'd be happy about that you know <laughs> so would they so yeah wow. Um, because if you think about it, there's an added, there's such an added cost of prohibition. There's the the extra taxes that are involved. There are these compliance costs, all these risks that have to be thought of and mitigated, and and all kinds of other costs associated. So, what's really remarkable about these larger MSOs is that they are able to achieve a free cash flow pro profile uh, in light of all these added costs. Right. So, so, and they're, you know, obviously these stocks are trading at a discount right. to really any, any normal company, uh, really in light of, you know, their growth rates, um, and opportunity, and opportunity, uh, part of that is the risk that's still embedded in the industry. Right. There are operational risks. Yes, there's operational risks because people are getting held up. Right. <laughs> right. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's a piece of it. That's a, yeah, those are super important to think about and do, but those are also micro, uh, not micro issues, but you know, one, not one-offs, but like point of point of sale, basically, as yeah. opposed to uh, sort of broad swaths. And so, when you look ahead, I want because we're in New York. It's interesting to talk about New York, and and it will become legal at some point. I mean, it's legal, but it's you know, it will be an industry at some point, and what it'll look like. And how important do you think that is to the overall? So you know, New York's influence. It's 20 million people. That's not none. That's a big market. But I think it, it is more important than just those 20 million people being served with cannabis. Culturally, business-wise, policy-wise, like regionally, like how, how are you looking at that and sort of assessing sort of the importance of that market? Big picture. You know, it, it was two markets, right? First, it was California. Yeah. That was a big thing on the West Coast. Yeah. And that kind of laid the groundwork for other states to mm -hmm. legalize. And now we have New York. And clearly, as you say, it's a huge opportunity. It can't be ignored. Um, and clearly, because, and this is very, very predictable. <laughs> I mean, this is not like, oh, gee, this is such a revelation. Right, right. <laughs> you know, when New Jersey passed REC, duh, of course REC, New York right. is going to do it. All you have to do is get on a PAP train right. and, and right. you know, swing over there, right. um, which I think is going to, you know, because I think New Jersey is going to ramp sooner than later, I mean, relative to New York, you know, people are going to do that. Big location to get right out the path. Oh, yeah, completely. You know, it's not really that difficult. Um, um, but New York is very important. Also, just besides Wall Street and the capital, right? Because now um, I have a Wall Street background. I worked on the sell side. I worked for a few of the brokerage houses, uh, Bear Stearns, Cowan, and so forth. And, you know, the, the and I'm very, my clientele are institutional investors. And when I started this, people really in 2014, they're really, they really kind of shied away from me, to be honest with you. And I'd like to They're think like, it was nah, because of the pot, not because we'll of me. We'll talk to you in five years. <laughs> yeah. right. I'd like to think it was because of that, right. not for any other reason. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, so, you know, it's, 
it, this is where a lot of capital is. So now when people see New York and they see, you know, not that a lot of people haven't traveled at this point to California mm-hmm. or whatever, but there's still a handful that haven't really experienced what a dispensary is like, how professional it's mm-hmm. gotten, the caliber, the nature, you know, everything mm-hmm. is just really top notch yeah. now. And it's probably going to get even better, obviously. Yeah. So to have the Wall Street crowd and the money center in New York see it, and not only that, on Madison Avenue too. That now way. you have like you know really advertisers and and all that kind of stuff. And, and thinking about even increasingly, I mean, I was just seeing pictures people were posting from California, and, and not that he's not great, but like Gary Payton, which is great, but you know, like I, there are more and more uh, sports people getting involved post post career getting involved in cannabis. Art, you know, Drake, you know, like the, the arts, culture, sports, society, people, like civil, like they are getting more involved, and I think it drives down some of that stigma. But I think nothing replaces the the seeing it day to day on a on a street corner. Absolutely, and like both seeing that it's not a big deal and seeing that it's amazing. Like and the packaging and the, and and just the thought behind it. I mean, there's a lot of intellect yeah. behind it rather than just buying a bag of weed, right. you know, in a plastic bag. Yeah, you know? that was pretty good too. But yeah. <laughs> right. um, so you know, I think that's you know all those factors and the job creation and everything else. I think you know that really will lead to a heightened level of interest. You know, not only in the Northeast, but certainly, you know, hopefully, you know, within Washington, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll accelerate the process. Now, Chuck Schumer obviously has a political agenda, um, you know, to put what he did, you know, put the, everything into one bill. Um, just a lot of extra burden and a lot of things that probably weren't necessary. Now, to me, most notable, just because I'm a numbers guy. Right. Um, is the um, excise tax, which would go up to 25%. Now, if you think about that, 25% in addition to all the, taxes. All the other taxes, like, do you think the illicit market is going to go well, this away? This is exactly the thing that came up in a conversation earlier today that we were recording is you can have policy goals, great lofty policy goals, keep out of the hands of kids, you know, heavily regulated, make sure the product is safe, and all those things. It's great. but if you And generate tax revenue. But if you do all those things and make them perfect, perfect as a regulator that you think is perfect, that's not necessarily how the market is going to react. Market, I mean, like people, yeah. going to react. Like if it's twenty five percent more expensive to buy from you, Matt, versus you, guy on the street, then and I know the guy on the street, and I've been buying from him for ten years. And you know the product, of right? It, it becomes it, you need to like I don't know what the right word is. I like lose some as a regulator. Like you got to be able to not take all the wins, right? Because yeah. you have a policy goal of creating a market and driving out the legacy market, like. You ha- there has to be some balance. In that. Yeah, and you have to think bigger picture. Um, you know, some of the things, yes, you want to put everything there, but let's take a step back and look at other compensating controls. Let's look at our compensating factors. For example, social equity, very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, Nancy uh, Mace in, um, from South Carolina, the Republican who drafted a bill, very sensical piece of legislation, mm-hmm. she's saying let's let the states kind of work on that. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense because look at New York, for example, 50% of the applicants, um, you know, it, there's a mandate to award 50% of the applicants to um, minorities, people mm-hmm. that were underserved by the war, war on drugs. Mm-hmm. There's that. Um, there's also bigger picture, just on a national level, ESG um, investing, right? So social responsibility is a component of that. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at that as on a big picture, on a national footprint, that kind of takes care of that a little bit too. Yeah. So yeah. you have both of these 
issues being, you know, both both um, this issue being addressed in multiple areas. Yeah. So why do, why does there have to be a bottleneck at the federal level for this? Oh, Matt. <laughs> I know. Oh, gee. Why? Oh, gee. No, no but, but it is. It, it, and but it I just doesn't make sense. I also like, think there's this thought that, like, we're going to do this, and we do it right, we're going to do it, and then everybody will, you know, we'll, we'll pull all these people from the legacy market to the legal market. Like, it's fairly resistant, right? I mean, initially. Right, like these people who these people businesses now that are un operating unregulated in the legacy market have supply, they have supply chain, they have customers, they have a well-oiled machine, mm -hmm. and every day it gets more well-oiled because they see what's coming. Right, like it is, they are dialed in. The the consumers like like it's it's a it's a difficult uh, thing to move, and to, but if you if you're not trying to address it, it's getting more entrenched. It's right, yep. Yep. and that's the thing. And then the pathways for the people in the legacy market to enter is partly what New York wants to do, but you, there's still big, big thorny questions to actually answer. Like, what are those people supposed to do with their money? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, hello. Yeah. <laughs> problem with that. Then there's the whole issue of, you know, the, the stocks and how they're traded and what exchanges are listed right. on. Right. Um, access to capital. The cost of capital is obviously higher um, in, in this industry than any other industry because of all the, you know, because of the re restrictions around banking. Um, and then, you know, one other thing, too, um, that I was thinking about is in, in terms of the Schumer bill versus the uh, Mace bill, you know, so they're looking at, Mace is looking at a three, three and a half percent or where, uh, uh, I think, three, three quarters percent excise tax. Compare that to 25 percent. I think I think what's more reasonable now. I've looked at. I also take a look back and look at the federal budget. Now mm -hmm. that's totally out of hand. Right. It's trillions of dollar deficit. Right. But when you're in a deficit, like every dollar should help, right? So you want to replace the 280e tax. Um, and so what I've done is I've gone through the exercise of looking at the publicly traded MSOs and looking at um, how much they paid in. 280E tax as a percentage of the sales. It's obviously not a perfect right. exercise, but it gives me some indication. Right. And there was consistency in the amount. Okay. And it's shaking out more like around 10%. So I think you really, like, you don't want to, I, I don't know necessarily if everything has to be in sync, where, okay, tomorrow, no more 280E tax. And we're going to replace it with this. Yes. Right? But at some point, you know, it, there, you would think whoever's looking at the budget at a national level, okay, we're going to lose 280E, let's, you know, replace it. But we can't do, we can't be too crazy because then we're going to lose it to the illicit market. Right. So the balance, you hear it from Greenwave here, <laughs> I would say maybe 10 to 15% is where it will okay. shake out. Okay. Um, you, uh, before we came on, you were talking about your next couple of weeks. Uh, you're going to our cannabis conference in San Francisco. Yes. In January, you'll be in Palm Beach. Palm, Palm Beach, yep. Palm Beach, you want to say? Um, as you're sort of doing this and talking to the industry sort of countrywide or nationwide, like, are you seeing, like, is there, uh, we, I mean, I, I was reading into it, like, there is some consternation about what's happening in D.C., certainly. Mm -hmm. But is there still this sort of hopeful feeling that, like, we are on the trajectory to a rapid, like, when, you, when people are looking ahead, are they projecting three, five, ten years to, like, national scale of an industry? Or is it, like, just too difficult to tell? Well, I think the industry is going to continue to morph, right? So the first stop, stop on the bus, you know, get the states in order. Yeah. Each state's going to legalize. Each state's going to do their thing. It's still fragmented. It's still every state operates in a closed economy. Now we have everything sort of, okay, well, now we're, get, we're making progress at the federal level. When is that? Now, what is that going to look like? There are still risks, right? We don't know how the industry is technically going to be 
um, regulated. And I think that might be one of the rationale, a rationale behind the delay in getting this thing, the party started, because I think the, the, uh, the lawmakers really want to better understand the industry. How is, what is the FDA going to do? What is behind everything? And so this gives them some time to kind of figure that all out. It was only since um, Biden took office that they really started to get their hands around right. this. They kind of knew, and I think it's really pretty much predetermined that this, it is going to be legal. Right, it's just, it's just a matter of It's just a matter of who's going to get credit for it, right. you know, right. and who's going to get credit and, you know, when and, and all that. There's all politics. Yeah. So once that's all figured out and, you know, we have this legalized at a federal level of high look, similar to alcohol in the sense that, like, you don't, just because it's legal federally doesn't mean you have to, it's going to be shoved down every state's no. throat. Like, look at Utah and look at, at alcohol. Hedge, yeah, yeah, so that's how that's going to look at. But then the, the bigger question is, like, what are these public traded companies going to look like right so every every day almost every week you know there's more and more consolidation you know just everything's getting eaten up eaten up and now the bigger players are getting better faster stronger whatever you know? they're, they're learning like everything yeah, yeah so they're, they're and they have capital and they're very strong and, and they have the influence and so at one point you know but at the same time Big alcohol, big pharma, every you know the big guys—they've always been looking at this industry. Right. Um, but they now, have more money and more money and more. So you know, then the question becomes longer term. Like, what what happens? Like, say 10, 15 years, you know, is is you know, a cannabis company part of a big alcohol company? Are these stand is are these cannabis companies? Are they standalone? Right. You know, well, so, even with even this week, we saw well Tilray just loves buying breweries. Yes, right. Like they bought another one in, in Denver and. It, and, and I think in the you know, cannabis Twitter, I don't even mean the cannabis industry, but people on Twitter are like, this, you know, alcohol and cannabis should be separate. Like, but like big companies own lots of different assets that are complementary. And what we, I think we'll see it go both ways. Is that like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then the other thing is, and this is one thing I talked about in 2014, is that how the industry will evolve. And there are different paths that these companies will go down. There's the rec path, there's health and wellness, mm -hmm. so you'll see products at like CVS yeah. or wherever. And then really true grade medical marijuana, pure, you know, that's that has precise doses, yeah. precise efficacy. Yeah. It will be medical marijuana as it exists today will be recalibrated yeah. and to be redefined. Like, to be like covered by insurance. And exactly. And it, it's going to be more science involved. Like the, the notion, I mean, listen, I think medical marijuana serves a purpose. Yeah. It, it helps people. Um, but, you know, when my mother was very sick with cancer and lung cancer and she couldn't really breathe, I gave her shot, shots of whiskey. It wasn't... It wasn't medical whiskey. It was wellness whiskey. <laughs> it was wellness whiskey. <laughs> right. So, you know, that, that's, you know, medical is just, it's, it's definitely needed, um, but I think it's just going to be redefined, yeah. recalibrated. Well, Matt, it's always good to talk to you because you have great perspective and you see, you both see the micro, because, well, because you're in New York, but also you see a macro, uh, which is really important because I think uh, we often, like tonight, we're having an event in New York, like talking about what's happening in New York. Super important, super critical for all the reasons we talked about, but it is also the piece of a puzzle that is big and mm -hmm. growing and complex and has federal implications, business implications, Wall Street, like all those things are really compelling and you're thinking about it from all those angles, which I like to talk about. Um, so thank you for stopping by today. Nice to see you in person. Likewise. And uh, we will connect with you down the road, maybe after you do your sort of countrywide road trip. Yes, for sure. And I look forward to your event this evening. Me too. Um, the just, business of cannabis. <laughs> just makes me nervous, but like, you know, gathering people, not because of COVID, but because just because 
there's lots of logistics, and that's uh, those always happen. Which, I thought you thought you know, you know what helps people are that? crazy in New York. You know, <laughs> you know what helps with that? Cannabis, actually. Absolutely, <laughs> the cure for all. It helps everything. Yeah. So thanks for stopping by, man. All right, thanks. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Thank you, Matt, for joining us in uh, New York in December. Uh, that was episode seven of Cannabis Daily. Thank you for joining us here and every day on YouTube. Please do subscribe, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>